Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out Off the Floor. Subscribe at winnow.app. That's two N's, two P's, winnow.app backslash off the floor. Free for the first week, $3.05 per month. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We were in Boca today. Thankfully, there were no leaks at FAU. But reach out to our friends from Boca, Water Cleanup of Florida, WCUFL.com. That's WCUFL.com. They can handle all of your water damage, your mold damage, but also they do the preventative stuff. And you need that because, you know, insurance companies don't take care of you after the fact. Go to WCUFL.com. Reach out to Michael, Robert, and his team, fully state certified. They do a great job, and they service more than just Boca. They service Broward and Dade counties all over the state as well. Again, Water Cleanup of Florida, if you've got the schmutz, they got the guts. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, ran bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor on the opening of Heat Training Camp. Alex Toledo, myself, and Brady Hawk were all there today. Greg Sylvander is going to be joining Alex and I here. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick at Five Reasons Sports, Alex at Tropical Blanket, Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. Also, second half of this episode, make sure you stick around because Brady and I had a chance to pull Jaime Hawkins Jr. aside today for a few minutes. Uh, find out which nickname he likes the best and kind of how he's preparing for his rookie season. But we're going to focus on what happened today at training camp. And really, uh, there was one story, and the story was Kyle Lowry. And we got into this in the last 10 minutes of the last podcast. Actually, make sure you check out the one in between. It wasn't the last podcast because we did a great interview with Josh Richardson and another with Nikola Jovic, and we stitched those two together. So you can listen to both of them on our last episode, uh, and we think you'll enjoy that because one guy who's going to have a major role this season in Josh and one I think that he would like to have a role in Nikola Jovic. But the story was Kyle Lowry. We spoke about this on a previous episode. He did not speak at media day. He was, he, he was there. He was one of 21 players that was there, but he was the only one not to speak to the media. So the question was, would he speak at training camp? Not only did he speak, he spoke first, okay? Now, typically, if you've covered the heat at all on the road or familiar with what they do, if you go to a road shoot-around and, and, and it opens after they finish practice, it opens to the media, Kyle's always gone. Kyle and Jimmy are typically gone. That never used to happen during the Big Three era, literally. You could walk in there and still get LeBron, Bosh, Dwayne, and everybody else, but Kyle dips, Okay. So today, maybe he was in a hurry as well, or maybe he just wanted to get something off his chest and get it over with. He did say at some point, at one point in the interview, one of the great things about retirement was not having to talk to you guys anymore. And then he laughed after that. But 
he started out uh, from the very beginning. He was surrounded by about 20 to 25 uh, media members. And Ira, as he typically does, uh, got in there and asked the tough question first, which was how he sees his role. And Kyle was definitive. He said, I expect to be the starting point guard. And several opportunities to back down on that did not. Was asked about the possibility of coming off the bench because he has done that before. He did that effectively at times last year. I know that's the role that the Heat would prefer for him if he's here. We've talked about that on the podcast. And he repeated, I don't expect to be coming off the bench. I expect to be the starting point guard. My initial thoughts on this, and then I'll go to the two of you guys, because I know Alex was kind of in the background on that, but you've heard it since. Greg's heard it since. It's circulated. This reminded me quite a bit of a previous training camp uh, that Alex and I actually attended, which that one was in uh, West Palm at Kaiser University. And that was Jimmy's introduction to the Heat. But Dion Waiters was still a big part of the team then. And I remember talking to Dion and Dion, you know, saying that he wanted more touches, more reps, be a focal point of the offense. And then we went to Spolstra after it and Spo was not on board. And we know how that season went. Uh, it wasn't just because of gummies on a plane. There was a lot of stuff that went on there that kind of phased Dion out. And Dion was still under contract for multiple years after that. And they were able to move the contract at the trade deadline. Kyle Lowry's in the last year of his contract, a three-year contract that's worth a lot more than Dion's contract was annually. Been rumors about the possible trade of him. But this, again, rung a bell because then Eric Spolster was asked about it afterwards, and Eric said that there had been no decision made about that to this point. He was going to let things play out in training camp. This came a day after Heat players, when asked about the point guard situation, didn't mention a definitive starter there. And also, when we talked about leadership, they didn't really mention Kyle. They mentioned Kevin, Bam, and others. I'll go to you first on this, Greg, because I know you have sort of strong thoughts on it. Where does this go now? Because, I mean, we've had intel that if Kyle was told he was going to come off the bench, it was not going to go well. We've shared that. And then today we saw it in, in, you know, in real life. And it doesn't seem to me like this is one of those things where a player comes out and says, I expect to compete for the starting job. I expect to earn back my starting job. You know, I, I committed myself this summer and he did talk about being in good shape. He looks in good shape actually, but I committed myself to being in the best possible shape to help this team win as, as the starting point guard. That's what I'm shooting for. No, he said, I expect to be the starting point guard. That, that is more of, I expect it to be given to me because I'm the only point guard on the roster. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how it felt. That's you hit the note, the, the nail in the head right there. Like, I think he's digging his heels in because rightfully so he looks around at the roster and there's no tenured point guard to compete against him. So he's basically talking about a lot of younger players that are still trying to figure out whether they're even rotation level players in the NBA and carving out careers for themselves. And he looks around and says, obviously uh, at my salary, um, at my stature, I am the starting point guard. There is no debate about that. But the weird just part about it is, is that I think we've all assumed that Josh and Tyler would be a more effective starting unit. And so that that's just the weird part of it that I don't know um, how to necessarily, I don't know that it's going to impact this team from a locker room perspective yet. I just ultimately know that this, to me, feels like an organization and a player that kind of in the back of their head thought that somehow, some way they probably weren't going to 
have to continue to spend time together and that didn't come to fruition. So they're now spending time together and that just inherently is going to be a little weird and a little rocky and it doesn't mean they won't figure it out. They're all professionals. I hope that they move Kyle by virtue of the fact that I think that they could use more functional pieces at his salary range. And he clearly doesn't appear to be, um, I, I won't say that he's swimmingly happy about being in Miami, not the city, but the place that he's in with the organization where he's having to kind of bark out that he's the starter. And that, that shouldn't have even been a question when we, when he was signed here, like he was supposed to be the missing piece. And so the, it all, all just leads me to believe. And then I got blocked by him today on Twitter. So now it's Hassan Whiteside and Kyle Lowry both have, done it with blocks against greg sylvander so um we'll see how that one plays out i just think that people are kind of over this thing um and it's it's unfortunate that it's going to end that way i hope that they find a deal because they can find stuff that even doesn't hurt them in the future financially just to kind of make this less of a cloud overhead because this is really quiet right now this gets louder if all of a sudden you have bad point guard play and then you have him on your bench and you're not starting the regular season so hot. That's the kind of stuff I think they just need to monitor and watch for. Well, here's a couple things about this, and then I'll go to Alex. Uh, the first thing is that we talked about three players who were constantly in trade conversations and how they would handle it. Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero, and the latter two have handled it in exemplary fashion. So let's just start there. Like Tyler has handled it by poking fun at it, uh, being defiant about it, but not taking on the heat in any way, right? Like he's he's taking on the world, okay, with the heat on his jersey. And so, you know, whatever you were worried about, about you know his frustration with it, which existed, by the way, behind the scenes, he has handled this incredibly maturely for a 23-year-old, all right? Duncan Robinson has been in trade talks constantly, and Heat fans will say, well, he got paid, so he's got no reason to complain, and he hasn't lived up to the contract. But the same is true of Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry makes more money than Duncan Robinson by a significant amount. And honestly, they have kind of the same role this year. Like, they're envisioning the same role for the two of them. One is the designated playmaker, and the other is the designated shooter coming off the bench. That, again, spots will be fought for in camp. And we did not say that we have a definitive starting lineup. I was told that likely Spose lean – would be Hero, Richardson, uh, Butler, Love, and Adebayo, with Lowry, Robinson, and Martin, not in that order, coming off the bench, backup big, Bryant, Orlando Robinson, 10th man spot, Highsmith, although we all think he's going to play more, uh, Hakez and Jovic. Like, that is basically the group, okay? But it could change between now and the end of camp. Spoh's going to tinker with something. He started Yurt in the first in one of the first preseason games last year. He started Marble Harkless, uh, in 2021 right so like in the first preseason game so these things are subject to change uh but with with that being said again two guys seem to be handling it really well and one was doing this I, i'm trying to set the scene here for people who don't understand what training camp is like everybody on the heat is there okay it's not as much media today was more than it's going to be the next few days but everybody when they, they're trying to get away from some of the media right they're trying to get away from their families and, and bond, right? That's the whole thing. Stay at a hotel. They do the two-a-days. They're available to us after the first session. Pat's there. He was talking to the FAU coach today. Spoke came over afterwards as well, okay? Uh, you know, Pat's there. 
I didn't even see Andy, but Adam was there. Nick was there, right? Zoe was there. They're all there. I took a picture of this. They're all there. They're at the long tables there on the floor. And they're all like chatting it up. Other players are coming off the floor while Kyle is like stating his, to a certain degree, independence <laughs> on another, another part of the floor. And I'm sure that the report came back pretty quickly about what he said. And I don't think they were surprised by any of it. But it just seems to me, again, like the dichotomy of kind of a team pulling in one direction and one guy pulling in another. And it's similar to last year when he spoke at Media Day and essentially acted like he didn't care what Riley said about his conditioning. And I, I think that's it. I, I don't it, I've never heard he dislikes Miami as a city, as a place or anything like that. But it's just the whole heat culture thing from him. He's fought it from the beginning. And today was it just jumped out to you and you kind of expect it from Dion waiters. Right. But this is a guy who has a chance to go to the hall of fame. And this isn't how it was supposed to play it. Alex, uh, go to you on this. Is there any scenario where him starting at point guard this year for them makes sense? Well, the only scenario um, is if he comes out in training camp and really earns that spot, because we've seen that Spo is, you know, amenable to, you know, making changes like that and maybe going with the unexpected route, even though it's clearly not trending that way whatsoever. I don't expect to be, I don't expect that to be the case. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they found something with him uh, running bench units. You know, he's aging. It's a much better way to conserve him uh, and just have him healthier for, you know, playoff contributions that matter. He, he's had these moments, but you want him to be, I think more consistent than that. And the way to do it is by having him off the bench and you look at the numbers and, you know, they had like a plus 2.7 net rating, if I remember correctly, you know, when he played with Jimmy Bam and Tyler last season. And then if you do it to Kyle without those guys, it was plus 4.3. So without all three of their best players, like those units were fantastic, you know, with Kyle at the helm there. And that that's not going to be what makes the decision. All I'm saying is like, there's been a lot of evidence now that he, he, that's probably the way to go considering the age, all that. And then you get to this and it was like, yeah, I understand the logic that Gabe was the guy who was starting in the last two playoffs and now he's gone. So in Kyle's head, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the starting point guard. I'm the only point guard remaining here that isn't a, a G League or two-way guy. So um, I understand that logic, but definitely the tone was kind of combative. Um, you know, I think um, – I, it was tough because it's so loud in there and I wasn't in the front of the group. So I, I missed like half of what he said, but I 100% heard the part where he said, I expect to be a starting point guard. He said it with no hesitation whatsoever. Said it three times job. actually. Yeah. He, he said his he job is to expect to be the, the starting point guard. And then Ira immediately followed up and said, um, you know, are you up to it physically? And because he's had these problems. And then he, he said immediately without hesitating again, yes, yes. And he explained um, at one point that, he thinks that he was kind of gassed out that which led to these kind of injuries and, and these the setbacks. So he thinks, you know, probably I, I don't, I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically implied that playing less minutes kind which is kind of what was already happening, right? It's, it's somewhere in the early twenties, as opposed to being a 30 plus minute type of guy is going to be what gets him healthy for the playoffs. And, you know, he, he, I, another point he said, he's willing to do what's best for the team to help the team win. But, yeah, the tone was absolutely combative. Like, I think there's no doubt around it. And, you know, like you mentioned, he, he was cornered into these questions. He was literally cornered. Like, it's just, you know, cameras all around you. 
you just finished being in a, in a competitive environment. You, you know, you, you, the, you know, you have like the, you have your sweat flowing. It's just, I don't know. It, it was intense. Alex, it was I don't very think, intense. I, 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 Alex, I don't think he was cornered. I think he wanted this out. I, I, I don't, I, I know when a guy doesn't want to answer a question, he knew that question was coming and again, he did it first. He did it before Spo talked, which kind of put Spolster in the position. I don't think this was intentional. Guy wants to leave. He obviously wanted to get out of there, right? Yeah. And he does a lot. That's what I'm saying. Usually when you come in to shoot arounds on the road, he's already gone, okay? Um, but he did it, and then Eric had to address it afterwards. And I'm sure as – you know, Eric is kind of – his mind's all over the place after practices, and he's talking to different people, and he's got all these things in his head. But I'm sure he, he looks over and he sees Kyle is talking, and he knows that something like this might come out. He's going to get asked a question about it. The Heat PR staff has been with Eric since the very beginning, since 2008. It's the same people. They prepare him. So he knew when he was coming off that obviously other than, hey, I'm happy to be at FAU because there were a lot of FAU reporters there and were great to be in Boca training, that he was going to get asked about Kyle. He knows that because he knows that the beat guys are going to ask about it after Kyle just says that. And he and Spo stayed strong. Spo did not say that's our QB one, like he has said before. He said, we go into camp and there's an opening. And I just want there was a tweet out there today. Okay, and I assume Popovich said this today where he was talking about his roster with the Spurs. And he says, if Manu Ginobili can come off the bench, then anybody can come off the bench. And, and I just when you look at this situation, Goran Dragic and Dwayne Wade both did more for the Miami Heat than Kyle Lowry has to this point, obviously. Okay. And both of them were still playing at a higher level than Kyle has played of late. And both of them had the conversation with Spo and came off the bench. Mm -hmm. And if Kyle was willing to do it last year, the fact that Gabe is not on the roster shouldn't really change that equation. We can go back and say that he should have paid Gabe. That's another conversation. That might be a whole podcast here because Gabe's not even starting with the Lakers. He would start here. Okay. And that was a money decision. Okay. There's no way around it. That was they lowballed Gabe at the very beginning. He had a number. He was he was he was frustrated by it. And then so he ended up uh going elsewhere. And I, you can argue they shouldn't have paid Gabe what he ultimately got paid. And they will talk about how they offered him more over the course of the deal and all that sort of stuff. Gabe was thinking more as on an average, but we can have that conversation and we will. But th the point is this: it's not it, it seems to me that the way Lowry is viewing this is. There's nobody else here, so I should start when the real point is what Alex is talking about, which is they're a better team with him doing what he was doing off the bench and frame it in a positive. This is how you can still contribute. And that's the way that it was pitched to me this offseason by those in the organization. They're like, look, this is a way for Spo to manage his minutes. Like he, he is of the age he's at. And this way Spo you're not playing the first six. And you can bring him off the bench, and after you bring him off the bench, he can run those bench units. But I look, Ginobili, Dragic, and Wade have come off the bench, not as when they were not nearly as diminished as Kyle Lowry is at this stage. There really shouldn't be an argument. All right, before we move on to the Jaime Hawkins interview, which we had a few minutes, any any either of you guys have closing thoughts on this? Because this ain't gonna I, I, this ain't gonna go away. I just thought it was interesting that you know Spo today. Um, you know, at training camp, when he was asked about it, immediately said, you know, I, I respect pretty much he, he respects uh, Kyle Lowry's com competitive spirit and all that, which reminded me of last year, Tyler Hero at Media Day, when there was kind of that sentiment when Tyler said he, he's working towards that starting spot, which ended up happening. 
And Spo kind of was like, yeah, I applaud that. I want guys to, you know, play at the highest competitive competitive levels, all that. The other thing he said was, you know, we're going to figure all that out. He's a major component to what we want to do. I thought that was interesting, right? Not that it's it means anything more, but just like um, it lends to the idea that he has he, he values Kyle as a bench unit point guard and that there is value towards that. And then the other kind of just snarky thought that went through my head when he said that it was like, yeah, he would be a huge part of a trade. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, he values him as a bench player, as a coach. The organization at this point values him as a contract. And that's just, yeah, I'm sure that's they'll just figure the way it, it out. is. And the question will be how they use that contract. And that's a whole nother pod, which we will get into, but it is, do you use that contract to go get better? Even if it means on taking on somebody else's years and giving up a first round pick, or do you use it just to save money? And I think that is, that's the other thing. It puts more pressure on the organization. If this gets ugly or uglier, it puts more pressure on the organization to do something and sometimes they've been able to wiggle out of it like they did with Dion and dumping Dion and James Johnson's contracts and the Winslow situation, which had gotten kind of toxic. And they ended up getting two pieces that helped them get to the finals, right? In Crowder and Iguodala. Can you make another trade like that, which is the kind of trade we've talked about? Or are you just simply waiting for this thing to expire so you can get under certain aprons and luxury tax thresholds and all the rest of that? And then it becomes, okay, you're going to do that? You're still going to re-sign Caleb Martin then? And then we have all kinds of uncomfortable conversations. But it was uncomfortable there today, um, and so we thought we should address it. Before we get to the Hawkins interview, the only thing I want to mention beyond that is uh, Eric Spolcher said that a captain would be named, but no captain to this point. So I pulled Bam aside afterwards. To me, he's the only choice. Uh, we can talk about Kevin Love, but he's a part-time player at this stage. They want Bam to grow into it. I asked him, do you think you'll be the captain? He said, that's up to Spo. He smiled. He did say there are only a couple guys you could kind of think about, which is true. I don't think it's the kind of role Jimmy would want anyway. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. And I said, are you up to it after everything that you, you did? Do you want the responsibility? And Bam said, yes. He nodded. So he said, one more thing before we close. Um, you're the you one know, who's always trying to cut off these podcasts go ahead no, 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 i'm trying for it to not be 40 minutes but since we're at 20 it's okay i don't the one thing i wanted to add is going back to kyle really quick and i thought you would find this interesting i forgot to say it earlier was that the the only experience i've had that was reminiscent of what happened today with kyle because i know you mentioned dion and i remember that one being kind of like it but the one that came to my mind earlier was Kyrie, your boy um who basically uh that one time i covered him on the road where he was just going back and forth with the media and it was just like intense uncomfortable uh combative and it was just to a higher degree obviously i, I don't think it was to that level because Kyrie will just go back and forth with a guy where kyle is just like trying to say something and and leave Kyrie will will drag it out but um that was you know i, I got some of those vibes and i know how highly you you, you regard Kyrie irving well, yeah, but it's, it's different because here's the part I don't understand about it. I don't know why Kyle has had an issue with the Miami media pretty much since he got here. I that's it's weird to me. I don't judge guys. Based on media. That. I, no, no. He, he was known to be combative at times, but had developed great relationships with the Toronto media. And he never at part of it was, I guess, the time it was sort of a tail end of COVID, all the rest of that stuff. But like, I don't know. He just has not wanted really any part of any of the other stuff here. And I keep saying it reminds me a little bit of what I heard about Dwayne when he went to Chicago. It just wasn't his, even though he had ties to Chicago, Kyle didn't have ties down here. 
But Chicago writers would be like, is Dwayne? It, it, I mean, Dwayne seems kind of edgy. Doesn't want to. I'm like, that's weird. I said, that's not the Dwayne way that I encountered, uh, you know, for the first 13 seasons or 12, 13 seasons of his career. It just from the very beginning has just seemed like, I don't know. He got the contract is willing to kind of fit into the team to a certain degree, but the rest of this stuff, he hasn't tried to make any friends down here. He just, he just hasn't. And not every guy does, but this was a guy who did that in a previous stop. And I don't know. It, it almost has felt since the beginning, like they gave him the contract. Jimmy wanted him to be here, but there wasn't really a whole lot of thought that went beyond that. And you're right. I think a parting is, is inevitable unless the cost is too high. All right. We would want to get to a Jaime Jaquez interview here. We got more interviews coming up during the course of the week. Caleb Martin, we had a great sit down with him. Thomas Bryant, Haywood Highsmith, RJ Hampton. Uh, we're going to try to uh, catch up with Duncan Robinson, Jamal Kane this week as well at camp. So plenty of interviews, plenty of commentary. Stay tuned to five on the floor. And right after this time for Jaime Jaquez. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. The process um, from being drafted to here and, and sort of what you've tried to take from what they want you to work on as you kind of go into your first training camp? Um, well, I'll start off by saying, you know, leading up to getting drafted felt like forever. And then as soon as I got drafted, it time flew by. I didn't think of not. So. But what I've been just trying to do this offseason is listen, try to absorb all the knowledge I can. They've been telling me that all I need to do is be able to hit shots and stay in front of the ball and play defense. So that's all I've been – that's been my focus this entire offseason, just trying to get better. And, I mean, honestly, it's not like every – it's like every other offseason. Just trying to get better as much as you can, try to focus on things you need to work on. It's just now it's at a much higher level. You talk about the two things they, they said do, hit shots and stay in front of people on defense. Yeah. It seems like with them it's always the second part first, though, yeah. for guys to get on the floor. Have they emphasized that with you? And where do you think you are defensively coming into your first camp? Uh, I think I'm in a great spot. I think I'm in great shape. Uh, my body's at 100%. I know the last offseason before I was still coming off of uh, ankle surgery, and now you know I got a year under my belt after it's done. Now I'm feeling great. Uh, my body feels like it's in tip-top shape, um, and I feel ready. Um, we, they talk about rookies being NBA ready. Yeah. That was one of the things that was discussed when you were drafted. Obviously, more experience in college, a little yeah. bit older, the average guy. How do you think that will help you here to kind of try to blend in with the group? I think, you know, my four years in college helped a lot. I went through an entire process. 
process um, of you know starting at the bottom, working my way to the top by the end, by the end of my time there. And um, you know I think it's gonna just a reset now. We gotta do that again. And I already had that formula how I did it in college, and now I just gotta take it to, to the pro level and try to implement it and do whatever I can to get on the floor. What do you think is your most comfortable position at this level? Um, pretty comfortable everywhere. I just, I'm a basketball player at the end of the day. Um, wherever you put me, I don't feel uncomfortable. So um, I'm pretty much flexible. Two, three, four, yeah, doesn't two, really three, matter. Two, three, four, it doesn't really matter. I mean, today's game, everything's interchangeable. So you got to know how to do everything. And, you know, you got to be a basketball player. I know you're probably sick of the Jimmy comps by now, but I think one of the things that stuck out was their footwork and just like the way you shot fakes and all that stuff is kind of weird. What Jimmy's done over the years, I guess just how, when did that become like a legit thing for you that you said, I'm going to really work on my footwork and kind of take that next step? And has that just always been a part of your game? I think that's always been a part of my game. I mean, my first guy that I ever really looked up to was Kobe. And just watching his footwork and his pump fakes, the way he would just get to spots. And I would just watch him play and just get to a spot and you know, he just knows. He was so comfortable there. He was pivots, pump fakes, all that stuff. So just watching his footwork, honestly. And, you know, guys like DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy, obviously. Just guys like that, like assassins with the footwork, um, drawing fouls, being able to put the ball in the basket in a lot of different ways. So, um, yeah. It seems to apply to the turnaround, too. Like when we yeah. watch some of Jimmy's turnarounds and then watch yours, there, there's definitely like it's linear there. It looks, yeah. uh, his, yours looks a lot like his. I mean, what else can you pick up just from being around him in a training camp here? Um, I would just say his professionalism. You know, coming in, it's about business. We're here to work. We're here to accomplish a goal. We'll talk about, you know, what our goal is for this season. That's to get back to the finals and try to win a championship. Um, you know, me being a new guy, you know, I gotta take take that on and take on the pain that you know has been caused by those losses, and you know try to try to have go have that fuel my fire. And you know, I mean, I still have pain from my losses in college, and I'm just taking that over to try to get over that hump. You were talking before about your defense, and this is a team that uses a lot of zones and presses. I'm just curious, like, what's your background with? Like, did you run a lot of that in college or maybe high school and like pressing and zone? Like, what is your your kind of comfort in that area? Oh yeah, I mean, when it comes to zone pressing, I mean, we did all of it in college. I mean, if you watch our games, like how many steals we would get, it was unreal. Uh, we had an incredible defense, um, had, led by an incredible coach. And, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's all going to change too much, you know, coming, coming into the pro. You've got to be able to do so many different things. And, you know, that's why I'm here. I went to college to gain that experience. You know, I was ready to take the next step. It seems like Heat fans uh, are excited about you, a lot of stuff on social media and all that. Um, did you get a chance to interact with many this offseason? Is there a nickname that you like more than any other? Uh, I mean, I think Quan Wick was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that, one was, that one had me laughing. Um, that's probably my favorite. Uh, I like it. He's an assassin. I love the movies, too. So Keanu Reeves is a great actor. I like that. Have you seen Princess Bride? Princess Bride? I have not. No, okay. You got to look up Diego Montoya. Okay. Diego Montoya, Princess Bride. You kill my father, now prepare to die. Just ch check that one out. Okay. That, that one will be part of it. Um, obviously, it was also a different offseason in terms of there's always going to be talk around this team because this team's competing for yeah. championships about which player they may go get or not go get. And How did you handle all of that? Like, you're going into your rookie season, and there was conversation that yeah. you may not be here for this day. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I'm here now. And so that's all that matters. So, yeah. Uh, you know, my mentality was I'm here with the Heat. Until I'm in another place, I'm here with the Heat. If I was to say to you one year from now in training camp here, what will you have wanted to accomplish in your rookie season? Well, I think, you 
you know, I, I would love to win a championship with this team. And, you know, it's my rookie season, but this is a team of veterans, and I want to be able to help and, you know, do whatever I can to help achieve that goal that these guys have been going for for the past four years now, especially this core group of guys. And I just want to be able to help it in any way I can. For a player like you, was it better to go to a situation like this where maybe you may not get as much playing time early, but you're competing for something as opposed to, say, going for a team to a team that's rebuilding where maybe there may be more minutes, but maybe the habits might not be the same as an organization like this that's kind of you know going for that this year? How did you evaluate that before the draft? Would you prefer to go to a team that maybe there'd be more of an opening at, at first or more a team that was sort of built to I, win? The way I looked at it is, you know, where am I going to be, you know, cared for and developed as a player? Um, and I think the Miami Heat have done the best job in the NBA. You guys can see the proof is in the pudding. All, all these undrafted two-way guys that they turn into, you know, you know, stars in this league. And, you know, this is, this is why I want to come here. I think it's just about wherever's going to develop you. I think everyone's time will come when they're ready. Um, you know, maybe my come, time will come early. Maybe it'll come later. I don't know. But, you know, I just know that Miami Heat, they, they took a lot of care of me or took great care of me. And um, I'm just looking forward to getting better. You seem like a confident guy. Like, you think your time might come sooner rather than later, right? We'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this training camp's about. So I'm just trying to find my way find my way in this team. Last thing I want to ask you is, this is what I'll talk about maybe you learning from Jimmy, but Caleb was in a similar spot as you a couple years ago where he was kind of talked about, just used to talk about Jimmy Light and kind of plugging in for him. Yeah. Is there anything you feel like you could pick up from Caleb in a similar fashion? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy who's been here a long time. He's came up. You know, he's had to do it the hard way, and, you know, I respect that. And he's got a, he's got a great great head on his shoulders, and, you know, been learning from him a lot. We, we, we went out on a trip to North Carolina. Worked out with him, and uh, it was great. It was great. Oh, so you did spend some time with him in yeah. North Carolina. Okay, And you spent time with Jimmy on the commercial yeah, yeah, shoot, yeah. too. So it's a little different. You, ha- you have gotten to know some yeah. of your teammates before all this starts. Yeah, exactly. You know, now it's time to get to know him even better, especially being on the court. I think it's a lot different. I think on the court is where you really build a relationship, and then that carries over to, um, you know, off the court. All right, Jaime Hawkins, Jr., thanks for joining us here on Five Thank on the Floor. Right. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.